We now will hear the second story. So listen to God's word. After this, there was a festival of Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate, there is a pool called in Hebrew Bethesda, which has five porticos. In these lay many invalids. They're blind, lame, and paralyzed. And one man who is was there who'd been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that he had been there a long time. And he said to him, do you want to be made well? And the sick man answered, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am making my way, someone else steps down ahead of me. Jesus said to him, Stand up, take your mat, and walk. At once, the man was made well. Hear that again. At once, the man was made well. And he took up his mat, and he began to walk. Now that day was a Sabbath. Those who believe in the Son of God have testimony in their hearts. Those who do not believe in God have made him a liar by not believing in the testimony that God has given concerning his son. The word of God. Thanks be to God. So for 38 years, I haven't lived that long. (gasps) Liar. (laughs) Confess. (laughs) I haven't lived that long in Georgia. Okay. For 38 years, this man who apparently uh, uh, knew how to walk, knew how to run, knew how to have a life, perhaps he even had a career, perhaps he was a merchant, a businessman, perhaps he was a shepherd or a farmer, and for 38 years, he's hanging around a rusty pool of water, hoping that he can get down there at the moment, at the precise time, and receive some kind of healing. Everyone that was around him was also ill. Everyone that was around him was, I don't know if there was an encouragement space or environment or not. Because sometimes when you go to some hospital or, or some medical offices, all you hear is about, well, my, my, my pressure was up there and then it came down, but then it went up again. And all you hear is about the negative stuff was health. I'm in denial, so I keep away from places like that. And I'm looking at Dr. Markle as I say that. So everyone was in need in that place. You see, and then suddenly Jesus walks into this pool of Bethesda, which is a very popular name in Christendom. He walks in there, and among all the people that are sick, among all the people that are lame, among all the blinds and invalids, he singles out this one from out of the entire crowd. And I think he asked, the, the, you know, the, not the 64,000 question, not even a million-dollar question. He asked the obvious question. Would you like to get well? Well, the, the question didn't say, would you like to get well from being paralytic? And I wonder how many levels he heard the question. Do you want to get well physically? 
Do you want to get well spiritually? Do you want to get well in terms of wholeness? And as you notice, uh, he did not reply the answer. He gave all the excuses why he was not able to heal himself. You see, the, 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 the pool of Bethesda, people believed in those days that once or twice a day, depending on the rain pattern and the, and the currents of the rivers, uh, the pool of Bethesda would, would get filled up and the waters, as we see in the upper picture uh, in our screens, the, there will be a whirlpool. And, and the story said that people would, would reach to the pool and, and touch, the, and the first one who got to the waters, that one got healed. And this guy was never able to get there on time. Other people push me. Other people, they make their way. Had he given up already? It doesn't seem that he was going to be making his way anytime soon. And Jesus, the Son of God, asks him the question, do you want to get well? Well, the obvious answer is yes, but I can't. Do you know that the rest of the chapter is devoted to a whole argument, to a whole fight, to an entire, the rest of all the way to verse 45? Because the verse 9 says, and Jesus did this on the Sabbath. My, my, how dare he? Well, he had what I think an oppositional disorder because Jesus accustomed to do things like this on the Sabbath. And we'll see it in the next story. But in this time, he asked the man, do you want to get well? And he said, yeah, I want to get well. I want to walk. And he says, get up. Grab your mat. And that was the problem. Grab your mat and walk out of here. You, when you read that text, you were encouraging a sin. <laughs> in those days, Pat, you were encouraging a sin. It's the Sabbath. You're not supposed to get up and walk with nothing. You're not supposed to work. You're not supposed to, to, to be nice to people, maybe. I don't know. But it, it was a fact that you were not. And then the people who were around there, they didn't care about the guy being able to walk and have a life, a new life, a new start at life. After 30 years of being there, hoping and hoping and nothing happened, after 38 years, now he gets an opportunity for a new life. And people are focusing not on the joy of his new life, but on the pettiness of him carrying his mat after he was healed. But that was the job of the religious leaders to make everybody else's life impossible when they couldn't even do it themselves. Jesus tells them in Matthew chapter 12, we're the vipers. Yeah. So here's a man who's looking and waiting and hoping he gets the blessing from the Son of Man who heals. He gets the blessing from the Son of God who liberates his heart. He gets the blessing from the Son of God who forgives, from the Son of God who gives life like God's life, from the Son of God who brings faith and power, from the Son of God who heals. Now, you know that healing is temporary. Did you know that? That whenever we're asking for healing from God, it is a temporary thing that we're asking for. Are you aware of that? Because eventually something else is going to go wrong. And 
only then will we really be placed in full wholeness. I remember two sisters as they were approaching their death, as they were approaching crossing the river, they came to, that, they came to terms. They came to terms with that idea. And they were both faithful Christian women. Very much so. But when they saw that, that the healing was not going to take place here, then they threw a big smile and said, well, then I'm going for the eternal healing, for the one that's forever and ever. And there were sorrows that they said goodbye, but they were confident that their healing was going to now become wholeness. That their healing was no longer going to be temporary until the next thing cracks down. That now is forever because now they know that He can touch, and His touch makes a difference. In the first story that we heard this morning, the man heard the word from Jesus, and he believed Jesus. He trusted Jesus. He believed Jesus, and he found the faith in Jesus, not only for him, but for his entire family. In our second story, a man who was hopeless found a new way of life by again believing Jesus was the Son of God. And listen to our third story as we go into John chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciple asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, answered Jesus. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the task assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming and then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. Then he spit on the ground. He made a mud, mud with a saliva and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam, which meant scent. So the man went and washed and came back seen. <laughs> in this, our final story, we have a man who was blind from birth. Someone who has no idea of colors, someone who has no idea of scenery, someone who may not have any idea of perspective, someone who may not have seen a tree, an animal, a dog, someone who may not even seen water. He perhaps became irrelevant, unproductive in his society. And again, he was laying by the road, marginalized, rejected. He couldn't do work, not even for a minimum. So he was left alone to die. But Jesus again interrupts his existence and singles this man out also. He singles out, he singles out this man uh, to answer the, the big question. 
Because the disciples had posed a question, why was this man born blind? And there used to be a custom that developed around the 300 before Christ in the Jewish thinking that sins were carried on from generation to, the, to, to generation. But a lot of the current theologians didn't really think that way. But there was a group that did think that way. Like those who believed in the resurrection and those who didn't believe in the resurrection in those days, that was part of that whole thing. So they kind of believed that somebody must have sinned or maybe my future sins are going to... Because the guy wasn't blind. You know, he was born blind. Think about it. If he was born blind and he was born blind because of his sins, that's judgment before even being alive. If he was blind because of his parents' sins... He's then the expiatory goat, the one to carry the sins of others? No. So Jesus, instead of answering the question, why, he shifts the whole uh, uh, conversation. Instead of why, why don't you ask, what for? Because it is precisely the question that Jesus answers in this statement. Not the why was he born blind, but what for? And in the what for, we may find an answer when we are trapped in life, when we have issues in life. Instead of asking with a defiant, maybe fist in the sky, hidden behind our hand. Why, Lord? Being more like a disciple and ask the question, what for, Lord? So he was blind, and, 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 and the reason was so that the glory of God could be revealed. That was the answer. So that the glory of God would fall on this person. Why was he born blind? So that God could rejoice, so that God could send Jesus Christ. Jesus was going to do a little patty. You should see everything that's been written about that mud patty. I once made a mud patty, but I can't tell you with what was the liquid that I used. But it was an old Caribbean thing that if you got stung by a bee, what did you do? Mm-hmm, she knows. With mud, and you put it in this thing, right? But, mm. And I did that. The, the girl's name was Phyllis, and Phyllis' parents were owners of all the Kmart stores in the island. That's who I hung around with. And when the mother found out what I did with her beast thing, she was outraged. The New Yorker could not believe that that liquid and mud could actually heal a beast thing. But we islanders know about that. So she was stung that that brought healing. So instead of why, Lord, we should perhaps learn to ask the question, what for, Lord? So that Jesus then could reveal God's glory. We're all here, in, 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 we are all here to display God's glory, God's goodness, God's kindness, the kind of love that comes from God, the kind of grace and patience and forbearance that comes from God. And Jesus here says it one, the second time, because he already said it in chapter 8, I am the light of the world. But while I am here, I am the light of the world. And then he took the mud, put it in the guy's eyes, and the guy saw he went to the fountain, and he washed his eyes. If you look here, there's the fountain right there. That's an old 5th century icon in the upper left. And you see the actions of the guy washing his eyes and the actions of the guy coming back to Jesus seen already. Jesus is the light of the world, meaning that we should see things in the light 
from the vision, from the perspective of Jesus. So instead of darkness, we can see the light of God. Instead of, what, instead of hate, we can then see God's love and moving God's love. Instead of division, we can build unity. Instead of oppression, we can show a way to freedom. Instead of participating in injustices, we can stand for justice and that which is right and good before God. For Jesus is the light of the world, a new vision, a new meaning, a new way to see the rottenness in this world from the perspective of God the Father, from the perspective of God the Son, the Son of God. I am the light of the world. At this hour, I would like to invite you, if you heard the three stories, the first one of belief, which encourages us to believe Jesus more than just believing in Jesus. The second man who was hopeless, and he decided also to believe Jesus and do what Jesus asked him to do, in spite of everything else that said don't. And the third one who was from birth blind, and yet Jesus revealed God's glory and gave him sight. Sight not only for him to live, but sight for him to see God and walk with God. All three heard Jesus. All three were told by Jesus to do something. What is Jesus asking you this morning to do? I'm going to open the, the, the chancel for prayer. If you wish to be prayed for with oil, I'm going to ask a couple of the elders to join me. And as Scripture said, you know, we'll pray for you, the elders of the church. So you can come forward at this moment if you would like special prayer. Believing that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the Son of God, and that by believing Him, we will have life and life eternal. Knowing that the healing that we may be asking is temporarily, but that instead of healing, we also want wholeness in our lives. Mary, can you join me in prayer? Why don't you join me in prayer also? And we'll just pray one general prayer as we go and anoint people with oil. Just come up here and I'm going to start at that end. Just briefly, just briefly. And I'll pray. God, we thank you because we believe you. We thank you because your spirit is in us, for us not only as individuals, but as a community. And we ask for your anointing right now, for your healing power to touch our lives, for your spirit not only to heal our bodies, but also our souls, our minds, our feelings, our attitudes, for you to bring wholeness into our lives, for you who are God, who have decided to reveal your glory to us through Jesus Christ our Lord, to make us whole, to make us one, to make us rejoice in your presence no matter how our body may be falling apart. We have life, and that life is eternal in you. And thank you for the power. Thank you for the power of, of, of community that brings us together, that brings healing in our hearts. We pray for those of our brothers and sisters who are not here today who are ill. We think of them. We think of their names. They're written in their worship guide, and we lift it up to you, O oh God. We pray for the medical staff 
in the hospital and surrounding offices, for doctors and nurses and office workers, oh Lord, for lab technicians, all of them, Lord. We pray for our schools. We pray for our teachers, for administration, for safety. And we thank you, God, that we can pray for ourselves and, and we have others that can pray for us, but then we, we can also offer our prayers for others. And we thank you for him who walked these lands and who taught us not to ask why, but what for. And also taught us to pray together, our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And amen.